You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 123, recorded Ooh. August 9th, 2021. The topic for this episode is Beneath the Endless Night, Part 1. We're finally covering it. Oh my god, it's been so long. Right? I felt like we'd never get here. <laughs> I'm going to be the host for this episode. I am Elemist. Hi, I'm Orchid. I'm also here. Kinda. I'm not hosting <laughs> it, though. Uh, we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter, at Guardians underscore Lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore Lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast, and if you do, let us know about it. We like reading them. You can also jump in our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description. And lastly, you can find our info on thelornetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. I don't see why we wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't, you never know. So, uh, this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle, mm -hmm. we've got a... There was a PvP tweet. There was they just give us these little nuggets you know like once every two years they're like hey we're working on pvp once in a while yeah ahead of the showcase this month i wanted to take a little time to talk about destiny pvp this is joe blackburn you know the head of destiny <laughs> um he is the assistant game director for destiny 2 and this was kind of like a small bone that they threw to us saying like hey we know that we haven't done anything with pvp since trials came out a year ago Ugh. actually i think it's like a year and a half at this point it was since forsaken came out no or season of the worthy no that came out it came out yeah over year and a half ago now it's something like that year and a half ago yeah Oh, jeez. This says, this year, the team has spent a lot of our future-facing effort on plussing up the current Crucible experience. You've seen some of this already in stasis balancing, reputation updates, and shifting weapon metas. And I'm like, no. You already know. I'm sorry. You don't get, you don't get a, a thumbs up for me on that. I'm sorry. Considering stasis was shipped broken. Yeah, none of that. You don't get to break a thing and then pull it back and then be like, we're listening. I'm sorry. I'm not going to give you that anymore. You don't get any of that anymore. You don't get a we're listening. You don't get a we're listening thumbs up from me anymore. I'm, no. <laughs> Transmog what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. You don't get that anymore from me. It, like at, at this point, it seems like a pattern. It's exactly it's a pattern. That's why you're not getting it from me anymore. And it seems like it seems really shitty coming from me and like me saying it out loud. But yeah, I don't know. It says like the first half of 2021, we've been working on the foundation 
And the foundation is just fixing the shit that was super broken. And fixing weapon metas isn't that's something that they're always doing. Like that's not that happens every that's season. Not something that happens every season. Like changing the meta is is constantly shifting. Like that's not something you get to be like, yay, we fixed it. Like, no, that's something you always do. That's not you're always tuning that. Um, we always get a sandbox change every season. Like we get weapons changes, we get super changes. Like that's a part of the game. That's what keeps the web that's what keeps the game fresh. Or if it was if it was stale, we would stop playing it. Like we'd come and we'd like poke our head in and see, like, oh, is the game good? No? Okay, bye. Heck, that's kind of how I approach Iron Banner. Exactly. And that's how a lot of people do too. Um a lot of the a lot of the tweet says that they want consistency. They want it to feel predictable. Um, if you play PvP, the team wants you to understand that you will be getting new maps and modes every year and that the cadence of those coming out feels predictable. And I'm like, really? What does that even look like? Right. Because when you say new maps, what does that even mean? New maps. Because we've been screaming for new maps. 700 days since we've had new maps, by the way. Yep. Um, Just going to put that out there. And, and that's exactly why I tell people, like, yeah, I enjoy the PvE aspect, but, like, Crucible needs love. As a Crucible main and not a PvE person... You guys get new mm -hmm. PvE stuff and new raids and new everything else. And it's been 700 plus days since we've had a new Crucible map. Just a map that has all of the same like pieces of game that all of the PvE things have. So all you have to do is put it together into a map. Like, just I would, I'll, I'll make it myself. Like, I would, I would <laughs> love to see two maps come out for Europa. Right. One in the icy... Heck, like, you could do three. One in the icy area where, like, the colonists live, one in the Vex part of it, and then one in the Braytech part of it. Like, that would be perfect. I would... I would love something, like, from the raid turned into a Crucible map. From, like, the crashed space station. Or even like a tracks turned into like some sort of like like dual level. Oh, that would be cool. Like from the space station, like up in space, turned into a crucible map, like that part at the end. That would be cool. I would love that turned into a crucible map. But they are, um, they are talking about. It says when we upgraded our engine with Beyond Light, it means we had to hand port all of our Destiny 2 maps and modes. So while it seems from the outside like we're just pushing a button, there's a significant lift from the team to get more of this content back in rotation. After reprised maps in Season 16, Season 17 will come with a brand new map. There are a bunch of new environments in Destiny 2, and we're excited to start bringing them into Crucible. So... Finally, yeah, so... Not even with the release of Witch Queen. They're talking 
No, actually, it is with the release of Witch Queen. Yeah, season 16. Yeah, so they're talking about um, finally after three maps are being added to the rotation in 16 and 17, um, they will be remastering one Destiny 1 map and bringing it into Destiny 2 for the first time in season 18. So we can be expecting three maps. Um, Some of them are going to be old Destiny 2 maps um that we used to have i think it's two old destiny two maps one new map in season 16 and 17 and then one old destiny one map that we don't have currently in season 18 and that's what we're expected to have next year um they're also talking about porting rift into destiny 2 which is what i'm most excited about oh my god yes um which is what all of us have been kind of screaming about and what we've been wanting since the beginning because rift was really popular at least it was with me i Mm -hmm. love rift i loved rift rift is fun you can still go back and play it in destiny 1 it's still a thing and see i i i ended up getting a huge kick out of it whenever it was iron banner rift because you go in to this is a th- I know because you go in to do Iron Banner bounties and you're just having fun with Rift. See, this is a thing. It's like this is what Iron Banner is missing. Like the fact that it's only Iron Banner control and it's not Iron Banner Rift, Iron Banner Clash, Iron Banner Mayhem, and it's just Iron Banner control and it's just Iron Banner control. Like I've been saying that for ages. Really makes Iron Banner stale. And it didn't used to be that way. It used to be yeah. Iron Banner, lots of different stuff. So it, it's too bad. It used to be on a, a rotation. Yeah. Which sucks. And it was like, oh, hey, if I if I don't like this game mode, I just skip out on Iron Banner this week. Yeah. But they are working on, apparently, new modes um, for things. So uh, 2022, hopefully they will have new stuff. I'm not holding my breath. So since uh well and like it it's saying 2022. Yeah. yeah. That could be talking the last season of 2022. So like so it's possible yeah. it whether, mm-hmm. whether they're going to, you know, try and push it out with Witch Queen or or whatever, like the actual time of release is still up, all up in the air. Yeah. So um of the day that we're recording this since we're recording it on the 9th of august it has been 678 days since any new original map 517 days since any new reprised maps 272 days since losing 11 maps Oof. if you really want the countdown since i have them in front of me that's i didn't realize that they took that many maps away yeah we lost half our maps. Oh, I, I, if not more, I know, because yeah. like I'm feeling it now. I jump into Iron Banner. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh hey, convergence again. Yep, eleven maps. So, and a lot of people do ask um, if there is a lore reason why we lost the maps. I'm like, no, because two of the maps we have make no sense because they're on IO and Titan, or yeah, they're on IO and they're on um, Titan, Titan and Mercury. So, yeah, like yeah, we- they're on three of the planets that are no longer with us. Yep. So, but no, they're simulations now. No. They don't say simulations. They literally well, just and, say IO or well, Titan. And, and, or... and even then, 
you know, simulation. Okay, how are you simulating it? The infinite yeah. forest was on Mercury. That's no longer there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, how? Yeah. Uh. But, you know, keeping it positive, um, if uh, it's going to be 53 days until two years without a new original map, so I'm <laughs> keeping it positive. Ooh. Ow. <laughs> keeping it positive. Ow. You're welcome. That positively hurt. <laughs> So, uh, we've also got some sandbox changes. Mm-hmm. We do. We have a bunch of sandbox changes. Um, this is totally up. Like, all this entire twoggle this week is totally up my alley because, you know, I'm like a big like, sandbox PvP nerd. I'm so sorry. Well, like, there are a few changes that I'm I'm feeling that you're excited about too yeah i know either excited or dreading like yeah i'm kind of i'm I'm with you on that one definitely um we could go from the top i think yeah is the best way to do it and just Mm -hmm. if you guys have it pulled up and you're listening to this and you're at your computer i think the best way to do it is just to go through it with us i don't think we're gonna hit every single one of them no because there is there, there's too many things to hit. They're just absolutely. Uh, this list is way too high, but um, they're separating the melee actions. Finally, I have once too many times like tried to punch something and did it wrong, or tried to throw a throwing knife on my hunter and did it wrong, <laughs> or smoked myself. <laughs> and and I think that's part of why I don't main Hunter is because that's happened one too many times. And I've been like, yeah, screw this. Oh, yeah. It happens. But um, so what they're going to do is um, you'll be able to bind your charged and your uncharged melee attacks because they are separating them on two separate inputs. So um, hooray. Uh, for PC people, that's going to be super easy. So you can just put on different mouse buttons if you have a, a bunch of buttons on your mouse like I do. Um, For controller people, I don't know what you're going to do. We're going to have to finagle things around. Um, yes. I, I'm waiting to see how it actually is implemented mm-hmm. because it, like, it, it might just be as simple as, oh, hey, I'm not using this button for much of anything, so I'm just going to attach it to that. Or it could mm-hmm. be part of an actual layout. Yeah. Because they don't allow controllers to customize their layout. Don't they? I thought they did. It's under custom. I can do that on Xbox. It's been a while since I've looked at it then. Yeah, you can do that. Mm-hmm. I retract my statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be able to. But either way, like I'm, I'm waiting to see how it's actually implemented. Yeah, um, if you guys figure out, like, a good way to do it, um, definitely let us know what how you guys have decided to um, map your buttons, because I'm really interested to see how controller people on console have figured it out. Yeah. 
I mean, for PC people, we, we have unlimited buttons. So <laughs> for me, it's it's no problem. But I am interested to see, like, you know, Xbox and, and PS4 people are going to do it. I think for me personally, I'm going to map it to my B button. I currently have that set for nothing. What? What do you mean nothing? With the specific layout that I'm using, yeah. like my actual crouch is my right stick pressed. Okay. So B is the inspect player, mm -hmm. like in the overworld oh. thing. Oh. Mm -hmm. Which, why the fuck would I use that? I I don't know. Are you using green thumb? Yes. Uh, Either that or puppeteer. I don't remember. It might be puppeteer, actually. Either way. Interesting. If if I get to map uh, it to an actual button, it's probably going to be B. Interesting. Huh. But anyway, um, there are going to be some changes to sliding. Oh, yeah. The slide change. People are losing their shit with this. My God. I'm so confused by it anyway, because they're just like... This is bad. I'm like, okay, but is it? Um, I mean, like, uh, okay, but something, something, slidey shotgun, something, something. I don't understand. I, I, I don't know. I it mean, looked like a lot of the changes were specifically to sh to slide shotgunning. I yeah you know so but it's with it's sliding with any weapon and it's really just gonna affect people who are I think it's really just gonna affect like PvP people more than anything but it's negative twenty percent stability plus fifteen percent shotgun pellet spread so yeah shotgun people and one point five times flinch. Which makes sense because if you're slide if you're sliding anywhere, your flinch is gonna be higher. So, you know, you crazy cracked like slidey sniper rifle people while you're aiming and sliding at the same time, like mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to pull off those like, you know, crispy slidey, headshots. Slidey crispy headshots because you're sliding while you're trying to do it. Like it's a little more realistic, so I'm sorry you can't do those really good you know fan power fantasies sorry i i don't care <laughs> get over yourselves <laughs> we'll see how it plays out i mean everyone was freaking about their like a uh, freaking out about the recoil thing and it turned out to be literally nothing you know so i think this is going to end up being the same thing probably yeah so uh, let's just move on. I mean, I'm sorry if your slidey shotgun thing is going to be terrible. It's it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fine. So do you want to talk about the Titan stuff? Yeah. So there's one change that I'm really looking forward to. Uh-huh. It's to the Middle Tree Sunbreaker. Okay. They are actually increasing the time that that throwing hammer survives before exploding. Like, it's almost double the time. Uh, and they're increasing the damage of the throwing hammer against powerful PvE combatants by 50%. So I have more reason to actually go run my favorite subclass. 
or one of my favorite subclasses. But then there's an, a change that they're making to Bubble. It does not spark joy. Oh, no. Um, it doesn't spark joy. <laughs> so they increase the actual damage that the Bubble takes from bosses uh, from 0.25 times to 7 times damage. Uh, but it's all dependent on the actual resilience of whoever is casting the bubble. So, like, if you have maxed out resilience, or we don't even know where exactly it's going to max out. But if you end up hitting that cap, damage taken will scale down to 0.25 times. So, quarter times. So, that I'm I'm kind of worried about. You know, from a PvE standpoint, like... People need me for bubble. <laughs> and if I can't provide a sturdy bubble, my team's fucked. So it, we'll see how it, it ends up going. It, it's just, it's it's got me worried. Um, There are some hunter changes that are coming. Yeah. So the top tree golden gun one is something I really like. Um, So... They're actually they changed the damage fall off from 20 meters to 25 meters um in the crucible. So that's gonna be really good. That's a, an excellent change. Mm -hmm. Um I see that used a lot in Crucible. So um super duper two thumbs up for that one. Um there's a lot of good arc starter shit. So yay for arc starter people. Absolutely. Um there's also um a really good nerf to ghost knives. So sucks to be ghost knives people. Um suck it. Suck it hard. Um <laughs> suck it hard. Um I'm really sorry for you ghost knives people. Um yeah. They actually <laughs> I did like what they said as the fantasy of this ability is that of a stealthy assassin and not a stealthy raid boss. <laughs> we decided to tone down the damage reduction. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I love like, that. It's so true, but actually, yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, but it, it like these pageants are so good. Like the snark is good. The snark is like very good and very warranted, yeah. Oops. So, um, but it does look like the actual nerf is going to be minor. It's it's pretty minor. It reduces the damage during your super from fifty two to forty seven percent. Um, and there's an additional damage reduction when you're invisible from plus five to point plus three percent. So it's not actually that bad. Um, but I think it's going to be a good change. It'll be a good balance. Yeah. There is a bunch of warlock changes that I have opinions about. The warlock main having opinions the warlock about having warlock, warlock opinions. changes. What? What is this? They are um they're reducing the damage versus close range supers for the for the stasis one in pvp and i'm like why it sucks already you're just gonna make it worse okay that's cool neat um they're doing weird nerfs to top tree dawn blade and doubling down on heat rises which 
few people really use. I mean, I eat my grenades, so I can like AC 130 people with my Arbalest in Crucible, mainly in Trials, because it like really irks the shit out of people. <laughs> it makes them really mad. Um, I've been killed by warlocks but... who do that in Iron Banner. <laughs> yeah it makes people uh, really mad they uh -huh. get super pissed off mm -hmm. um so they are increasing the duration of heat rises considerably to 15 seconds for speedrunners this is very good news like speedrunning community is gonna love this this is excellent so um Icarus Dash, unfortunately, is only one air dodge every four seconds now instead of two. But if you eat your grenade and then do it, you get two dodges every five seconds. So, you know, okay. If you are pretty conservative about it, you'll be able to get very far across maps. Um, cool. Unfortunately, your location now appears on enemy radar, so that's bad. A good thing about it is that you never appeared on radar before because you were always above their radar. So you could always kind of like sneakily sit in space and kill people because they wouldn't know where you were. Not anymore. That sucks. I just wonder how they're actually going to appear on radar. Like, is it going to be the whole sector thing like normal radar or is it going to be a specific blip? Probably a dot. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because like that could change it. That could change how how good or bad that nerf is. Yeah, we'll have to see. They also did a bunch of changes to well. Um, it has the same nerf that has that bubble has um for PvE, which we'll have to see how that is. There's a weird buff in the crucible because this isn't something that you really use in crucible. And I'm confused by this decision. It's like someone says, hey, what's a super that no one uses in the Crucible? And someone's like, well. And they're like, okay, well, let's make them use it in the Crucible. And they're like, all right, we'll just give it crazy power. So you're, never, you're not going to get frozen in it anymore. But we're going to make your sword really shitty now. So now your sword's going to get frozen instead. Now, so, now, see, this one I actually have opinions on. Okay. So, like Orchid said, it's the same nerf, um, except the actual mm -hmm. damage is like 1.5 times instead of times 7. Uh -huh. But the thing is, they're basing the actual sword health and, and resilience off of the Warlock's resilience stat. Yeah, I don't understand that. We don't do resilience, really. Right. That's, I'm confused by that. That's... That's the thing that's pissing me off. I'm like, why? It why would you do that on resilience? Like, do it on something like we do recovery or we do like super or like they do it based on something else. I I think they looked at warlocks and they were like, what stat don't they use? Ah, oh, resilience. Let's make them use it. Why? Maybe because they. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. The whole thing doesn't make sense. I'm very confused by the entire thing. Um, I'm sure it's 
uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to see yeah. what it does. I'm just going to end up changing, like, whatever, like, mod I have on my, like, Phoenix, whatever. Phoenix Protocol. Yeah, that one. I'm just going to have to put a resilience thing. I don't even main Warlock, and I got that before the Warlock main. Like, what? I don't know what it's called. You know, I don't know what anything is called in Destiny. I just called the Phoenix Feather Outfit. I don't fucking outfit. <laughs> I just know what it looks like, and I grab it out of my, like, out of my vault and put it on because people tell me, okay, you're running well for this. God. I don't know. Okay, I play Crucible, so I don't <laughs> do the activities with other people. And when I do, they say, you're running well for this. And I say, okay, I'll grab the thing. Like, <laughs> See, this just sounds like you're, you've got a list of excuses, and you're just going down the excuses to see which one actually yeah, sticks. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> anyway, so that one will be really interesting. Um they are finally fixing Chaos Reach. I'm happy about them finally fixing yeah. it because I got super borked when Beyond Reach or Beyond Reach when Beyond Light came out. Oh, <laughs> it was getting killed Beyond Reach. <laughs> I it was, yeah. Beyond walls and everything. <laughs> <laughs> beyond this wall, beyond that wall. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> um beyond that rock, beyond that. <laughs> God. Jesus Christ so uh that'll fix a lot of stuff um it's mainly you're gonna have to be a little more precise with the beam um because they're fixing it so it actually it looks like they're super nerfing it but they're actually like fixing the way the collision works so it'll fix the way it actually works with like the wall and collision damage um trust me when i say they're just they're they're fixing the way it, it it's not going to hit you through walls anymore that's what they're doing with it so hooray yep. the one i'm most excited about is that they're buffing my andes guys andes are back andes are back i'm so excited <laughs> i'm gonna be an andes man again hooray for people who don't know uh arc buddies are named andes if you are a newer listener and did not know this yeah. They have a name. They're named Andy. They're Andy's. Uh Andy's are now 13 seconds and are gonna fire 10% faster. I'm very excited about this. That's all you need. I'm gonna have infinite Andy's again. Oh man. Hooray. Uh, and then who cares about no warp? No one. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um turning your tokens yes claim your rewards because so, the season's pretty much over the season is pretty much ending like a week after this releases like now week and a half yeah so claim all your season 14 bungee rewards your seasonal challenges uh anything from the season 13 season pass that you still have on any of your characters um mm -hmm. your splicer engrams um, all your in rewards for like infamy, valor, and mm -hmm. don't forget to turn in your vanguard tokens. Those are being not deleted, but deprecated. They they are not going to be usable in the new season. No. So, claim your rewards. Turn all the shit in. 
Do it. Turn it in. And now let's go ahead and listen to a Lore Network ad. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Woo! The Lore Network. Have you ever wished that someone could just read you the lore? Destiny Lore Audiophile may be just the podcast you've been looking for. Join us as we bring the stories of Destiny to life with straight readings of your favorite lore with no analysis or commentary, or as we breathe life into these tales with acting, sound effects, and music. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes at Destiny Lore Audiophile. Audiophile is spelled with a PH instead of an F. You can find both readings and radio dramatizations of selected lore books and web lores by talented voice actors from the Destiny community. Episode releases will be announced from our Twitter pages, at HeyIt'sOrchid and at RendellZivas, so be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single performance. See you there. That was such a good ad. Oh man, my ear holes. They've been fulfilled. I feel a rumbly in my soul. Rumbly in my temple <laughs> So, brief intro to the topic. This lore book was obtained throughout the season of the Splicer uh, by completing the seasonal quests that came out weekly. Yes. And this is kind of a um, supplemental book. Just like from the front was during season of the chosen. It's kind of one of those you had to have been there books. Yep. So like reading it by itself and not having played the season, it makes it kind of complete nonsense. Yeah, it does. Can we, can I, okay, hold on. Can I just say before we read it, I really don't like the way Bungie does that. I agree. Like if I'm going to read a lore book, I really want a complete lore book that makes sense i agree because like it's fun in practice or in 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 theory uh to set it up this way because they'd be like oh hey they'll get the the weekly thing done and then they'll go read the entry right but in practice that's not how it's done no (laughs) it's not done that way because i'm gonna read the entire lore book on its own and that's how it's always yes. been done. I'm going to read the entirety of the like Forsaken Prince, or I'm going to read the entirety of Marasena, or I'm going to read the entirety of Chronicon, or I'm going to read the entirety of, you know, insert lore book here, The Pigeon, The Phoenix. I'm not going to read the entirety of Beneath the Endless Night, or I'm not going to read that like piece by piece as I get it. That's not how I read lore books, because reading The Forsaken Prince piecemeal makes no sense. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, why would I do that? No other lore book until this year has been that way. So, like, we've been conditioned to not read lore books this way. And so it really irritates me that they started doing this. And it's at least for everybody that isn't a new player, that's not how we've been reading lore books. So, I mean, if you have been reading lore books, or have been reading this lore book each week. Like, good for you. Like, congratulations for keeping up on it. I think I know one person who has. That's about it. 
I mean, it's a good, it's good to have kept up on it. And I tried to do that each week, but I didn't want to ruin the book and read all of it when it came out because I knew that a lot of it would be out of context. Yep. But at the same time, like, I'd forget each week to not read it. Yeah. So, or I wouldn't play for a week. Right. So then when you actually get back to it, it's like, oh, hey, what entry am I on? Exactly. So there's my my pre <laughs> my pre lore book reading commentary. There's your brief intro to the topic. <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> oh, that's that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> Goodbye. Happy to read this first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is chapter one. Acceptance. I'm the most qualified for this. Crow's voice reverberated off the immense window, making the Vanguard commander's office feel even more cavernous than it was. At night, the edges of Zavala's office were usually dark, but the miasma of Vex's energy that swirled in the city below made it even more so. Crow sighed and paced in the gloom like a caged animal. Zavala faced the window and stood, unmoving, a statue carved of Iramar, depicting a test of infinite patience. He glanced over at Ikora, her hands gently clasped as she watched Crow with disquieted contemplation. We know, she said, after what felt like an eternity. But your expertise and relationship with the Alexni aren't the only deciding factors here. Exactly how long am I going to be continually tried in a court of public opinion? Crow asked pointedly. And when in this trial will I be given a clear understanding of what I'm on trial for? Zavala regarded the Awoken's reflection in the window reminded him of the near-fatal walk through the gardens not all that long ago. His shoulders sagged. Crow, Zavala said, he turned to face him. This is a delicate situation. The consensus has come down hard on us for welcoming the Elixni into the city, and I can't have them using you as another bludgeon. So that's all this is, a political maneuver. Crow pushed to protect yourselves. No hard feelings. Nothing behind the looks you give me when you don't think I'm watching. Zavala stiffened and Crow sensed the conversational temperature in the room change. This matter aside, if your past identity became public before we have a plan in place, it could cause considerable harm to you and to the people you care about. Ikora said evenly. People who have come to care about you, she added. For a long time, no one spoke, and when Crow did, his voice was small. Then what? I keep hiding from the shadow of the man I was before, forever? Not forever, Ikora said firmly, but for now. Crow shifted his focus to Ikora and saw the hurt in her eyes. 
He'd seen it in Amanda's, too, whenever she spoke of the dead. Without another word, he nodded and left. Ikora closed her eyes, and the breath she'd been holding slowly left her. He's going to Osiris, she warned. And if Osiris is half the leader he's shown himself to be, we'll tell him the same thing, Zavala said with great fatigue, finally sinking into his chair. In the momentary silence that settled between them, Ikora felt an unspoken reciprocation of their generation's old friendship. I don't know how long we can protect him, she confessed. Neither do I. So Crow is pissed because he's being sidelined. <clears throat> Crow wants to do more things and he's stuck. It, being yeah 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 and we talked last week about him um about compass rose shotgun yep and him being pushed away with um well being given another fire team but being put far away from the city with other people um so he would be away from the city so no one would see him and that has kind of has to do with this a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, and for our listeners' sake, this specifically was ha- like given to us in the first week of the season. So Solstice hadn't happened yet. So there there was no talk of like him getting a, a new fire team or anything. So like this was just him going off on Zavala because he's being sidelined because of the men who essentially shared a face. I mean, just because he looks like um, Aldrin Sov and people keep beating the shit out of him because they see his face. Yep. Yeah. Which is terrible, but they won't tell him who he was and they won't explain to him why because they think they're protecting him. Well, and, and even then, like, I mean, if, if we're going specifically about Zavala, it's against Vanguard policy. Right. But at the same time, I think they should make an ex- make make uh I don't know because like, of this, this is like the one time because of the circumstances that they yeah. should break that policy. I think I'm kind of with you there too. Um, simply because like he needs to know essentially like like he put it, you know, what he's on trial for. Because otherwise, he's literally just getting what seems like punishment for no reason at all. Aside from the fact that he knows his past life did some horrible shit. So I kind of feel like he he has a right to know. I think he does. And a lot of that stems from the fact that, like, he was such a recent person. You know, he was so... He was a, a regular person so recently and changed into a guardian so recently that that throws a lot of things out the window because i mean a lot of i think he just really deserves to know yeah a lot of and i wouldn't advocate for this for any a guardian but for him because of the situation because of what we think is going to happen next season with his sister coming back um you know Agree that I think he needs. I think he needs to know. I completely agree. So, I I 
think that he needs to be treated better than he is. And I, I don't know. For me, I always think that like honesty is the best policy. Yep. For stuff like that. Like it's better to be more open than to not give all the information. Like he's an adult. Treat him like one. Yeah. You know? No, I, I completely agree. Stop treating him like a child. So. I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to read the next one? Yeah. And that's two. Fractures. Zavala stared at the terminal window until the words blurred together. He lowered his head and rubbed his eyes, trying to collect his thoughts. There were reports from hunters in the field. Increased Vex activity across the system. Coordinated attacks on Vanguard operations. Anomalous disturbances within the city. All on top of elixni and human confrontations within the city's walls. A buzzing hum bloomed to life over Zavala's shoulder, followed by the gentle weight of a ghost that came to settle there. Is this the best use of your time? Tarj wondered aloud, which elicited a look from the corner of Zavala's eye. Tarj rarely spoke, but when he did, there was always purpose. I don't recall asking for your opinion, Zavala said as he tried to refocus. I don't recall giving one. Zavala turned this time to give Tarj another look. You two can't keep doing the work of three people, Tarj insisted. Talk to Anna again. Zavala leaned back in his chair. Tarj, there is no way I am going to convince. An alert chimed at the command console to his right. Incoming call from Empress Keitel, Tarj said wearily. Let it go to Depot. Zavala stubbornly rose from his chair. No, he said, receiving the call. Keitel's Imperial Seal appeared on the screen with a notice. Audio only. Empress Keitel, to what do I owe the pleasure? Zavala asked, tiredly scratching a hand over his stubble. Tarj watched for a moment before he dematerialized. Commander, Keitel greeted, her voice swelling to fill the room as if she were standing there. The fleet's long-range sensors detected a growing anomaly located in the vicinity of the last city. Why the sudden concern? Keitel snorted. I bear no concern, Commander. But if the Vanguard were suddenly annihilated, it would behoove me to at least be aware. Of course, Zavala said softly. Well, we're still here. For now. The leading edge in her tone hooked him. Why are you really calling? There was no response from the other side for a few moments. When Kaido spoke next, her tone was as measured as before, but lacked any performative airs. Lakshmi 2's latest broadcast to the city reached our fleet, she said. You are truly a proud hawk standing in a nest of vipers, aren't you? Lakshmi is a politician. Words are the most dangerous of weapons, Commander, Kaido reminded him. It begins as whispering convictions, 
then full-voiced dissent. And the next thing you know, you awake with a knife driven into your chest. Spoken from experience, Zavala jabbed back. Spoken from experience, Keitel doubled down, unashamed. Lakshmi is undermining the Vanguard's authority by diminishing your role in the eyes of the people. Spoken loudly enough and often enough, her words may begin to make sense even to those who are not of the same mind. Zavala sighed, and Keitel felt its weight all the way across the system. I trust you to honor the terms of our armistice. I do not trust whomever your successor might be, Keitel warned. Zavala weighed anger and intrigue against one another, finding the scales a useless tool in arbitrating his response to the situation. He stepped back to the console and did as Cade might say, just wing it. This is not the first threat to my authority I've weathered, Zavala said, his voice rising. So don't delude yourself into thinking otherwise. And don't you dare come at me for whatever remorse you might be feeling about deposing your father. Zavala heard the low rumble of an appreciative vocalization over the speakers. I do not feel remorse, but because Callus was my father, Kyle explained, her tone softening. I feel remorse because of what Gaul did to my people. We opened the door for the hive handed Zivu Arath a knife, and were surprised when we felt the kiss of steel in our spine. I hate to see a warrior I admire and respect do the same with a less worthy adversary, but perhaps you are not in need of such unsolicited counsel. Zavala looked up out to the lightless city beyond and closed his eyes. And what counsel is that? What Keitel said next was not in the voice of an empress, but a friend. Umun Arath was my most trusted counselor. The darkness has many hands. Will you recognize its caress before it finds your throat? There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. I'm glad that they're bringing Keitel into this season and kind of bridging the two seasons together. Because a lot of times it feels like they just discard the previous seasons and they don't bring them together. It's like last season never existed. Right. And so it's really nice to see that that's not the case here. Because she very much clearly still exists. Right. And, and like we saw that with, with last year. Yeah. Actual seasons were separated. Yeah, they were very, yeah. But it was even worse the year before. You know, Black Armory mm -hmm. and then Season of the Drifter and yeah. Season of Opulence. Like, they mm -hmm. had nothing to do with each other. No. They weren't. They were very segregated. Like, you could put them in Tupperware containers and, like. <laughs> yeah. They were, they, they were so separated. Like, it was like they had labels. It's like, nope, this is Black Armory. It's definitely, like, not touching anything else. It's like, there are allergens in this that is not touching, like. <laughs> <laughs> season of the drifter i don't or whatever. i don't want my drifter not... in my black armory i don't i 
I don't definitely want my, don't want Callus I don't want Drifter. I definitely want. I don't want Drifter and Ada. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um. Not shit. Not like that. Oh. Uh, woo. <laughs> not, not like that. I. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's nice to actually see the seasons <laughs> carry through like an actual yeah. story. Yeah, it feels like the story is more continuous and is it has consequences and actually had pulls the consequences through. Yeah. Um uh, from one season to the next because we can still clearly see Keitel's ships in orbit because we can still do battlegrounds. Yep. I mean, we could still do all of the other things for the other seasons. It's just they just weren't there. I mean, like we could still do black armory stuff. It's just they they didn't really they didn't have any bearing on anything anymore. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't like sundial stuff. It's like once the sundial was gone, it was gone. Like it was there for one season. If you missed it, you missed it. So um, it's nice that this has a little more bearing. I mean, that did have like overarching bearing because like Saint is still obviously here. So that's a bad, that's a bad. Yeah. Just the Saint part. Yeah. But like. Yeah, I know. But the Sundial part, they've never brought up again, really. Yeah. Osiris stashed it somewhere and then it was. We've not seen it. Yeah. Except like the sundial part, like at the lighthouse for like trials people like that's still there. You can see that. Anyway, this brings up a lot of things from like Immolent and Zivu Wrath. And this brings up a lot of things from like, I don't think we really realized from the web lore, like how important that was going to be to the story especially cons well like especially since we've had undertones of zivu wrath the previous two seasons we have yeah i mean she was she was first and foremost in season of the hunt like those were her doings yes and then season of the chosen it was all underneath the surface Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying what they're doing with her character. I am too. And we haven't even actually heard from her or seen her. We really haven't. I'm already liking her. I yeah, I am too. Especially Uh, even before, but I, I, it's we've we've been getting a lot of Zivu Wrath not being in the forefront. It's been the whispers of Zivu Wrath, like in the background. Yep. Because we've not seen anything, not really. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. So both of these entries were from week one. Mm-hmm. So this was a lot for week one, but this was a nice, um, this was a nice tide over from week one to kind of link this to to the, um, to the previous two seasons to link week. Yeah, 
no this was this was nice this was good i yep. think yeah and during that first week uh essentially we were introduced to mithrax to house of light splicers the elixir quarter mm-hmm. in the Bossa district which is right where the scourge of the past raid happened I know I had such a squee like when oh my god I did like, too when we went there I was screaming I was so excited and I ran all around I was just like I was amazed that we were there and having such a good time like going to all my little I, corners again I remembered I was like I bet cap yay <laughs> <laughs> well and like so so I remembered being super excited for a couple of minutes and then being super pissed because that's not where I left it. That's not where I left the boss. I, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not just that, but I was like, why can't I run around down here? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, why can't I go around to like the circle underneath? Why is that not a thing anymore? <laughs> like I want to run around down underneath. I want to hit the buttons. Why can't I do that? Um, Where's my lightning wall? But then, um, <laughs> yeah. I want to get zapped by a lightning wall. But uh, why isn't that there? In in week one, we were also introduced to Lakshmi and her motives and essentially her propaganda. Mm-hmm. And then we were also introduced to the situation that came across the entire city, the endless night. Right. So, uh, would you like to continue? I would. I'd love to. All right. So, um, this is three gifts from the shore. Oh, uh, we mentioned this, um, during yep. our splicer weapons, uh, Elixney in the big city. Elixney in the big city. I love that episode. <laughs> uh, it was really sad. Um, he is dead. I know, right? I'm sorry, Elma. No, 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 no. He's not dead. <laughs> it's not confirmed. It's not confirmed. They just had. I think he's dead. They just had bags that they had to heave stuff, you know, out with. But he got away. Okay. He got away. All right. All right. Well, um, this is the beginning of that story since I just read like a little tiny piece of it. So this is the entire part of the little piece that I read for that story. So this is gifts from the shore. Though the metal crate they were carrying likely weighed more than they did, the two Elixni gave St. Fourteen a wide berth on their way to the Elixni Quarter. You see how they distressed, Great Saint grumbled. Amanda Holliday scanned the crate into her data pad. The unexpected shipment of emergency supplies from the Tangled Shore nearly offloaded. Don't be such a sourpuss, she said lightly. Mixing with new folks, good for the soul. I mix, objected Saint, but the fallen... They do not enjoy my company, and I feel the same for them. Maybe that's exactly why Ikora picked you for this, Amanda said. Though Saint was fully helmeted, she could swear he rolled his eyes. Two more Elixni came bearing another crate. One noticed Saint too late and stumbled, dropping the crate. Its security locks popped as it crashed to the ground. A young Elixni wearing House of Light colors and a bright orange and blue vanguard lanyard scampered over in distress. Saint sighed. It is fine, he said to the Elixni. Spider probably sends more surplus from old House of Dusk. Knowing you carry supplies from our enemies is a great joke to him. 
He dragged the crate out of the walkway with one hand and knelt to repair the locks. As Amanda scanned the damaged crate, the young Alexni came closer. He eyed Saint warily, then held up a sheaf of paper like a shield. Manifest, stated haltingly. Thank you, Amanda said with unforced brightness. She tapped her data pad. I've got it digitally. Got it digitally, echoed the Elixni. He fidgeted for a moment, then proudly held up the badge on his lanyard, which read temporary. Amanda smiled. What have you got there? Authorization for unloading of supplies from Tangled Shore. Of supplies sent from Spider, he said. He leaned in slowly, looking carefully at Saint and Amanda. My gentlemen, he added slyly. Amanda snorted so abruptly that Saint fumbled with the lock, crushing it in his hand. Saint looked up. Can you do not be quiet? Oh, come on now, Amanda admonished Saint lightly. I don't hear you practicing your elixir, and this fellow is doing his best to bridge the gap. Amanda turned back to the elixir. That ain't exactly right, but you speak our language pretty well, she said. Thank you, answered the elixir clearly eager for conversation. Do all humans here serve spider cow? Serve spider? Amanda spat. Spider's nothing but a... And the five spirited words that followed were replete with hard consonants. Elixney froze, wary of her tone while not understanding her words. Amanda caught herself and took a breath. Which is our way of saying he's a kind and generous individual, she said to the Elixni, who nodded along with her. This lock has been ruined by distractions, Saint said as he rose to his feet. He removed the lid and looked inside, then lifted a loose coil of rubbery tubes. Servitor plugs, filters, ether circulators. The Titan made a confused noise. Is something wrong? Amanda asked. Not at all mumbled Saint as he picked up a small golden cylinder trailing braided sapphire cords. This rebreather alone is worth more than my ship. Amanda moved towards Saint and looked for herself. She recognized a few necessary survival items. Condensed prefab, ceramic plating, vapor distillers, generator couplings. But amongst the tubes and filters were otherworldly treasures. A nanomesh sphere filled with thick pink liquid, chrome conduit splitter with entropic plating, glimmering opal sparkling in a nest of delicate lavender sponges. Hell a spider playing at, Amanda said to herself. She called out to Elixni. Are they all like this? Yes. Each one is very full, full of delights from our culture, from our home. We are very thanks. He cocked his head and clicked. Think thankful? Amanda nodded. Let me see that manifest, she said, taking the papers from the elixir. He nodded and rejoined the other workers. They will still need many of our resources to stay here, Saint said as he carefully resealed the crate. But this will make things easier. I am surprised Spider is so generous even to his own people. Amanda frowned at the manifest. This doesn't make sense, she said. There's a note at the top. Don't know what half the stuff is, but it's got to be good Spider had it. It's all written by hand, and there aren't values for anything on here. Saint looked at the papers over Amanda's shoulder. 
crates came from Spider's storehouse, he said. If you did not send them, who did? Look at this listing! Amanda continued. This item says best osmosis filters hidden in his bottom drawer. This item is just a row of question marks. Here's one listed as a clock thing. This line says noisy cube smells bad, but everyone likes it. And what's with this signature? Amanda squinted at the shape scrawled at the bottom of the form. It's a ship? She guessed, handing the paper to Saint. The Titan turned his head as he looked at the drawing. Ha ha ha, he cried, slapping the paper with the back of his hand. Look, is bird. Amanda looked again at the uneven charcoal lines and could just make out a wobbly blackbird. She let out a long breath and shook her head. <laughs> Awful artist, she said. I guess he's an all right guy. And suddenly she was smiling. This is more tragic having known that poor Elixney's fate. Mm, yeah. Because, like, this is a cute scene. It's a, it's a tiny... It, like, it's just a conversation. And he's... It's a tiny... <sighs> yeah. It's got Saint going over the inventory. Amanda's going over it with it, you know, with him. And this Elixney is trying to pick up on some of the words that they're saying and trying to figure out the meaning and you know how to use the, those words she curses <laughs> if you guys listen to our elixney in the big city episode you'll you'll recognize the uh the five spirited words that followed were replete with hard consonants like that was used word for word in the ramen scene as well mm -hmm. yeah exactly which is how you know it was amanda that those were tied together yeah. Yeah, and it was just a misunderstanding, and right. you weren't to know that that was what kind of wrote his fate, and it's awful right. that a misunderstanding is what, like, kind of wrote his ticket to death. <laughs> or at, at the very least, dismemberment. Yeah. I mean, between that and, like, people that were you know on edge from lakshmi's bullshit and um you know their own stressors and from not having seen you know the living sun. in darkness yeah yeah living in darkness and depression and anxiety and you know having you know their literal enemies for hundreds of years now living next door to them it's really hard to undo that kind of like brainwashing yeah and it's not even brainwashing, like that kind of cultural, cultural groupthink, the ingrained that yeah, the ingrained cultural social groupthink that you've had for hundreds of years in overnight, like that's really hard to rewrite. Yeah. Um. Not everyone is. It you can't. It's really easy for armchair you know psychologists or sociologists to sit there and be like, oh no, it'd be super easy for me, like. You're not in the situation you don't know. Right. It might not be so easy for you. Right. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe it's not so easy. You think you don't know. You're not there. It's it's like... Like, it could be really difficult. It's like if you absolutely hated somebody and decided... Or somebody decided that, you know, you and them were going to be living together. And then a pandemic hit. Yep. <laughs> so, like, it, yeah, it, it's... The situation is 
peculiar and it's yeah it's easy to say oh yeah i wouldn't be affected like that but in the moment you're not going to realize it you really won't and like until you're in it you don't know yeah now the one thing i i do want to point out uh steering away from that part of the topic um Mm -hmm. spider is gifting all this equipment to the city he's totally not yeah yeah because crow is stealing it yep crow is straight up stealing everything which i love and and we get that from the uh the line near the, the very end drawing. the titan turned yeah. his head as he looked at the drawing ah he cried slapping the paper with the back of his hand look is bird i love that <laughs> so he's signing it with a crow picture like he's drawing a crow on the manifests i love that i love that so much well like it's at this point it's just desserts Mm-hmm. You know, Spider put a bomb in, in Glint and forced Crow to do things. So now mm-hmm. Crow is is exacting his revenge and playing Robin Hood. Like, it's just, it's it's funny to me. It's ironic. I mean, he kind of deserves it after, um, I remember from one of those lore entries from crow and glint from last season watching um glint and crow watching all of the i think we watched like a pearl float past it was like a black pearl or some sort of like very expensive very rare like zero gravity pearl or some sort of like zero point pearl or something like float pass it was some like very expensive very rare thing like from the storehouse like they specifically mentioned like a bunch of items that were (laughs) extremely rare and extremely like yeah like the mona lisa and yeah it was just all these things you're like oh okay you have all this stuff all right and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know why you're mentioning this. And then it's just like, oh, this stuff is now showing up, like having been stolen. <laughs> it's neat. It's just like a nice little thing. I just love that he's become a thief now. Might as well use his <laughs> his thievery for good. I like it. Yeah. You're you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. I like it. I I do too. And like I likened it to Robin Hood, and I think that made me like it even more. It is. <laughs> anyway. It totally is like Robin Hood. It's great. Oh, yeah. Stealing from somebody yeah. who's ether rich, giving to somebody who's ether poor. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. No, I love it. Um. So, are we ready to move on? Uh, yeah. All right. Let us do the next one. This is four conspirators Iraq Jalal narrowed his eyes with impatience as Dead Orbit's head of logistics struggled to satisfactorily account for the faction's supply caches the pair had been wandering around the massive hangar for an hour while an enormous ship was being loaded in the background 
Jalal had seen the celestial disappearances and the encroachment of the Black Fleet as clear signs that Dead Orbit's final exodus must soon begin. He had ordered a redoubling of departure preparations, but found the faction's rank and file struggling to keep pace. Jalal cut off his subordinate's bumbling presentation. This is insufficient. Earth will soon be behind us, and Dead Orbit will have to survive on the supplies that we provide. His mild tone and half-lidded gaze underscored the gravity of his words. Supplies that you are in charge of tracking. You do understand that, don't you? A furious blush spread across the administrator's face. He bowed his head and scuttled away as Jalal crooked his head in annoyance. Behind him, a raspy voice floated up from the maze of towering crates. Leaving us so soon, Jalal. He turned to find Lakshmi II and Executor Hideo. The future war cult leader stood formally, hands clasped before her, while the head of New Monarchy browsed the shipping crates with casual interest. This is an impressive collection. I had no idea Dead Orbit was so well funded. Hideo gestured broadly to the crates. Jalal shrugged. It's a life's work, Hideo. Everything we'll need to reseed the human species elsewhere. You should join us. We're fine where we are. Thank you, Lakshmi interjected. As a matter of fact, that's why we've come. Jalal bowed his head and gestured toward the hangar exit. The trio ambled outside. Hideo and I are concerned about the current vanguard leadership, Lakshmi began carefully. Jalal allowed himself a mirthless chuckle. Yes, I've heard your open editorials. You're becoming quite the demagogue. I never knew you held such strong feelings about the, the Fallen. If it's incitement to speak the truth, then so be it. Lakshmi fired back, sharper than intended. The Fallen have been a useful catalyst, but that doesn't mean we are wrong. Perhaps not about the Vanguard, Jalal replied. But the cult is hemorrhaging members, and I doubt it's your best and brightest remaining. Those who wish to leave are free to do so, Lakshmi said with a pointed glance toward the dead orb ship. We'll be stronger without them. Zavala and Ikora have been ineffective since the speaker died, Executor Hideo cut in. The disappearance of the planets caught them unprepared. They're allowing guardians to use the darkness, and now they've cut a deal with the Cabal? It's just too much. We must have leadership whose point of view is more closely aligned to that of the people, Lakshmi said. And who do you propose exactly? Jalal stopped the trio at the corner of a broad thoroughfare, where the rumble of cargo movers masked their conversation. Saladin was our first choice, Hideo added with an ill-concealed smirk, but he's not as cutthroat as he seems. Appears the Iron Lord has a soft spot for Commander Zavala. Lakshmi gave Hideo a look, as though he had revealed too much. We are now considering Saint-14, 
she said, pointedly bringing the conversation back to the present. Jalal raised an eyebrow. Who else is committed to your little coup? We have somebody in a position of influence. Someone who can ensure an orderly transfer of power. Lakshmi answered. That person would have to be very clever indeed, Jalal said gravely. For your sake, Akora Ray is not a target to miss. The moment stretched as Jalal measured the situation. He had long considered what a change of leadership might mean for Dead Orbit, for the resettlement and survival of the human species, and as always, the allure of personal power. A position of eminence in a dying society was a constant temptation. So, where do you want to start? The factions are assholes. So... <laughs> I feel like we need to restart, honestly, with like the factions and what they are, because it's been a really long time since we've talked about them. Yeah. And it's been since like year one, since the factions have really mattered at all. Yep. So for really briefly, um, I'll start with New Monarchy, um, because I love New Monarchy. Uh, and it's, I think, the one that neither of us went for. You're not New Monarchy, are you? I was because of the ornaments, but like ideologically, no. Yeah, so New Monarchy um, is the faction that really kind of wanted to bring back the Golden Age. Um, and they also wanted to gather people to participate in the Crucible. They were like really into Crucible. Um, and the leaders are called Executors like Executor Hideo. Um, they hang out on the other side of the tower, um, kind of by Ikora. Mm -hmm. They have like red and gold. Their outfits are really cool. Honestly, I think they have the best shaders. They do. Um, but they're really into finding and preserving golden age technology. That's really their main thing. And they want to get back to the golden age and preserve as much of that as possible. And that's kind of the entire point of New Monarchy. So essentially, it's like having a second Golden Age. Yeah. They want to get us to that point. Yeah. Um, Dead Orbit is committed to leaving Earth um, for a new home world. And that's like really their entire ideology. And, and so they are trying to. Sorry. And, and we saw Go plenty ahead. of that in the actual entry. Yes, so Iraq Jalal, um, so he's the creepy guy. Um, he hangs out <laughs> in the hangar because they're always trying to fuel and uh, load their ship. So he's in the hangar. Um, he hangs out kind of by Zer. And um, they, yes, um, yeah, so he's, uh, they intend to escape uh, Earth before the darkness returns. Uh, they've given up on the Traveler. They don't have any faith kind of in um in the in i guess they they don't they don't really have any faith in us as guardians or they don't really don't want anything to do with us their whole their of. whole thing is they don't have their whole they don't have any faith in the city either yeah their whole thing is get all their supplies gtfo 
before the darkness gets here. Yeah, and then they just want to live on a colony somewhere else, and they just want to be not involved. They're just like, you guys do your thing. We're going to be over here. Bye-bye. And and the thing is, like, now the Black Fleet is here. Yeah. Um, but they're also, they're alternative also. They were also into finding Golden Age tech. Um, and they were hoping to find it um, in vaults and abandoned shipyards and stuff. Um, and they were hoping to do that um, to allow them to escape and just kind of find a new home world mm-hmm. and leave. Um, they didn't want to bring back the golden age. They just wanted to use the technology to leave. So it was a little bit different. They wanted to use it as a means to an end, not bring back the golden age. Yeah. And then future war cult. I'm trying to remember their their stuff, but do you actually have info pulled up? Uh, about um, because I know the the future war cult is about making the city prosper. Um, their whole thing is that they, their whole thing is that they they use a device to see the future called the Oxa machine. Um, um, yeah, so they're kind of known, um, they believe that war with the darkness is totally inevitable, um, whether they flee or stay, so they might as well be ready for the fight, and so they use everything they can to prepare for it, as well as, um, you know, looking into the future. <laughs> Um, so they, um, so the future war cult was, um, founded by, uh, Maya Sunderesh and, um, and as a result, they experimented on the mind forking device, the oxen machine, and they, um, worshiped it as a God. That's not good. Um, cause that won't go wrong. No, that did definitely did not go wrong. Um, so everybody who used it became totally insane. Um, and everyone reported like different timelines where the darkness either was victorious or the city had fallen. Um, and this is why like the fundamentals of the entirety of Future War Cult is about like preparing for the inevitable wars of the future is because of the machine and everyone saw just like insane shit in this machine. Like it's because of Maya Sunderesh and like the mind forking and the stupid like oxen machine. But like, it's not even that because it's also like the oxen machine and all of that. Like it's, it's, it's also like, I mean like the oxen machine is, is the thing that's made by the, um, the scions and it's not made by the vex but it's like based on the same technology i'm just calling it that it's not the same machine it's pretty much the same machine i'm just conflating the two they're not the same but a like essentially it it's not it's not great the only thing is that like lakshmi too was able to use the machine to correctly determine the red war and like 
it was actually predicted by Future War Cult correctly. Yep. And no one believed them. And so they like laughed at them and called Lakshmi a zealot. And they were prepared when the Red Legion arrived and like fought the Cabal back. And so during the faction rallies, like they got tons of guardians on their side. <laughs> Lol. But unfortunately, um that that they all of their members were kind of left them during this season, which we'll we'll see. Which see, well, I mean, everyone's been playing, so see now the thing that I'm gonna point out is the fact that like hmm. the one successful prediction that they had was the Red War. They yeah, didn't the one successful. Right. They have not had no others. Right. None before Literally no none others. after. They've been writing the Red nope. War prediction coattails ever since. Yep. Yep. For four years. Yeah. Four years they've been writing that. And even Ikora Stupid. even Ikora was like, Okay, so you predicted the Red War. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. So like with with the actual predictions that she that have been made for this season, I'm interested to mm-hmm. see if those actually become true or if they're just complete fan fiction. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's kind of um the history of all three groups. So and taking that into account. Now you know. Taking that into account. Now you now you know the future slash uh not future things. I feel like the, that was important to point out. It it was important to know the goals of each of the organizations because yeah. then it it frames where the leaders are really coming from for this entry. Yeah, I feel like it does because um, because with Jalal really is wanting to leave. And I think a part of that is smart because he's really sticking to his guns and saying like, no, I'm protecting my people and I'm not going to play your petty games and we are going to get the fuck out. So like the darkness is here we can't fight them like we have families we need to protect we're not going to play your games like we don't really care about your city we can protect our own yep like goodbye so i mean i agree with him honestly i i can't fault him for his view i can't either and like i'm see i was like future war cult in Destiny 1, and, like, I still am. If I go back into Destiny 1, I'm still future <laughs> war cult. <laughs> because I've never changed it. Like, I still am. It's just, I, um... I really like the colors. Of course you do. What? They're really bright and cheerful. But anyway, knowing the goals really helps understand this entry. And it... it I think it really does. And it, it helps you understand why Lakshmi and Hideo are so invested in finding a replacement vanguard. Well, it has been two years since Cade died. Yeah. And while they've been doing okay without a third, 
Yeah. And while they've been doing okay without a third, they really do need a third, whoever that is. I, I agree with that. I don't think they've done horribly. Um, I mean, they've barely but- had Ikora. Like, let's be real. Like, they've been really running with one. Yeah. Or if we have been completely honest, they've been running with Zavala, Osiris, and Saint really kind of running things because Ikora has just been so checked out. Yeah. Ikora has been the the angel on Zavala's shoulder. And and that's been about it. But yeah. And, and we do see that they are like Hideo and Lakshmi are going to other high ranking guardians to see if they will be willing to actually replace the current Vanguard. Which is like just really shitty. Right. TBH. Like, they go up to Saladin and they're like, you know, you mentored him, but would you be all right with replacing him? It's like, what? That's just so shitty. I'm sorry. Fuck you. (laughs) Like, come on. (sighs) Yeah. And for our listeners, um, the reason we haven't really covered what happened week by week for week two and three is just because not much really happened outside of just getting more of of what's actually happening like you know Lakshmi propaganda um Mithrax having a argument with Saint and Osiris um Mithrax sharing data with Lakshmi yeah um, the one thing I do want to point out is that Mithrax was sharing data, Vex data, with Lakshmi in hopes that he can show her that they can have a mutual cohabitation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm trying to do better for the city because I, I want my people to live here kind of a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, like, we'll see what happens next. Um, But this is kind of the first real rumblings we're hearing from Lakshmi, like, actually stirring shit up, like, in the lore book. Like, we've been hearing in-game, we've been hearing her actually doing her broadcasts by this point, like, fairly regularly. Yep. Um, Because this is, this was week three. I think at this point we're starting to hear broadcasts from her by week three. At this point, I think there were three different broadcasts. Yeah. Uh, they they were pretty much on a weekly basis and they were all just propaganda. Mm-hmm. But would you like to uh, read our last entry for the night? I would love to. This is entry five, sabotage. Two dozen humans, their faces mostly covered with makeshift masks, slunk into the Batsa district under cover of darkness. Some were armed with weapons, though most carried workday tools like crowbars and wrenches. They planned to infiltrate the Elixir quarter and find evidence of aggression. 
If that failed, they would send a clear message that the House of Light was unwelcome in the last city. Knives tore into banners. Noxious fumes filled the air. Paint cans rattled. The hum of the machinery around them disguised the sounds of their labor while hushed voices conferred in tierce conspiratorial tones. I think this is their food, a young woman whispered to her male companion while warily looking over her shoulder. She didn't see anyone as they crouched by a large ether tank, but she imagined the elixir crowded together in a nearby building. Did they even sleep? Here, give me a hand with this, her companion said, pointing to what he guessed was a control panel. Together, they pried the faceplate off, revealing a mess of wiring beneath. They shared a furtive glance and began pulling out wires by the fistful, hands shaky, their blood pounding in their ears. A low whistle like a bird call fluttered through the night air. They looked up, a hunter stood over them only a few paces away, his face shadowed by a cowl. He held his hand cannon at hip level, aimed straight at them. Their co-conspirators, drawn by the sound, gathered in their periphery, mentally calculating their chances. Not a single one liked the odds. Even those who came armed expected to fight the fallen, not a guardian. The hunter called out in a half-whisper. I don't want any trouble. The woman stood frozen as the young man beside her moved toward the hunter, his jaw set. No! Companion hissed. Are you crazy? She grabbed his arm to haul him behind the ruined ether tank, but he wrenched free. The young man stepped slowly toward the hunter. You're on the wrong side of this thing, he started. Hunter pulled back on his hand cannon's hammer with an audible click. I don't think I am, he replied. Unwilling to test the hunter's mettle, the young man called over his shoulder. Let's go. The hunter narrowed his eyes. He watched as the young man slinked past him and spat at his feet. Something old and terrible rose up inside of the hunter. It took all of his focus to steady his hand. The conspirators peeled away from their hiding places, one by one, disappearing into the dark. Some hissed choice insults and dispersions at the hunter under their breath, though none dared to look at him. In just a few minutes, the block was deserted except for the hunter, who stood alone in the street until his ghost compiled over his shoulder. It chirped with concern. You wouldn't really have shot them, right? The hunter hesitated as he holstered his weapon. They needed to know I was serious, Glint. But you weren't, his ghost insisted. Wordlessly, the hunter began making his way through the destruction. Someone would sound the alarm soon. He didn't want to be there when they did. Tell me you weren't serious, his ghost said again, lagging behind. Were you? I love... Wait. He could have been. Huh? He could have been serious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I love the fact that, that Crow stepped in. Like, he's protective of the Elixir. Yeah. And I, I love that aspect. Because, mm -hmm. like, if anybody's going to help this treaty between the Elixir and humans or, or mankind, 
it's going to be Crow and Saint. Right. Saint, after he learns what he learned in this week. Um, and I'll get to that in a bit. But it's just, it, it was during this week that we found out that there was sabotage. Some of the actual Elixni supply tanks and it, heck, just some of the supplies that they had were messed with. And uh, when we actually go to the Elixni quarter, that's when we see um, it was Saint and Mithrax. And I think Osiris might have been there or Lakshmi. I think it was Lakshmi. Um, but they talk a little bit. Lakshmi leaves and then Mithrax goes into this tale. It, essentially, it's like a horror story. Mm-hmm. That they tell their their younglings in order to essentially prepare them, um, right? But it's this this story about the saint, and you know it it talks about how essentially he has become the Elixir's boogeyman, and I just this is the part of the story that I absolutely I like. I fell in love with this part of the story this season. Mm-hmm was you know saint finding out that that he was the the the, he was the the monster under the bed for them yeah that part of the story and like i (laughs) whenever i describe the actual story i keep relating it back to the book i am legend right because all throughout the thing you know you're led to believe that these creatures are the boogeyman for for us but then some horrific things happen, and at the very end, you realize that the hero of the story turns out to be the boogeyman for our monsters. Mm-hmm. And it's just I I it, like I I love it and I hate it because like it's Saint. He is one of my favorite characters, but at the same time, like he is the perfect one to do it to. I think. Um... What really did it for me, at least for this story, for this this chapter, um, was the the idea of Crow standing there and that hero pose. I can picture it in my mind of like the woman and her in what they call her co-conspirator of the man with her and they're crouched there and they look up to see Crow standing there with his cowl pulled over his head and his mask on and probably his cloak fluttering behind him you know and i can picture maybe like the moonlight or something behind him and so you just see him like cast in shadow with like the light like pointing like his hand cannon like right at his hip like pointed straight at them like totally a hero pose oh yeah definitely and it's just like such a comic book hero pose and it's it's such a powerful visual in like so few sentences that that really struck me as like uh, something I don't know that really that really stayed with me throughout reading the rest of this and it's it's the little things you know how you know like I get really stuck on the words sometimes like that that was a really a really strong sense Oh, absolutely, uh, and I, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, 
Crow's just got he's got some like really great heroic, really great. He I mean, we have him earlier doing, you know, like doing doing crims. I like to call small crimes crims. <laughs> I don't know when I started doing that, but I I've done that for a long time. Wow. So we have him doing crims. <laughs> I know. We have him doing crims earlier in the thing. <laughs> sending like sending help for the elixir. Doing his crims. Breaking into um like doing Robin Hood shit. And now we have him like straight up, you know, doing comic book hero hand cannon things. <laughs> Um, like it's, he's got some great stuff in this, like team crow all the way. And and I love the fact that he like, honestly, I mean, he is not first and, you know, out front in the story of this season. He's not at all, but he's got some really great stuff. Yeah. He's got great material for not being in the season at all. Exactly. Like, He's very much in the background, and I, he was even in the first part in this. Like he's been, he's been in, in the... a ton of lore for not having been in the season right like, at all. Right, like he's been <laughs> in the background the entire time, and he has some amazing yes. stuff. He's, I mean, like coming back around to Compass Rose, like we talked about in the beginning and last <laughs> week. Like he was on that lore book. He was in the very first chapter of this. Like. Fucking at everything. That guy's everywhere. He's the real who's who of Destiny lore this season. He's so fancy. He was even on the fucking filigree ghost shell, wasn't he? Yep. God damn it. That guy's everywhere. He's so famous. Have you ever heard of this crow guy? He's on every single lore card ever. <laughs> well, considering like the Compass Rose mentioned, <sighs> like not by name, but like he specifically was being thought of for yeah for a fire team and then filigree of mm-hmm. light it was actually him and glint playing with the the mm-hmm. younglings and then yeah. you know he's he was featured in the first entry this entry and mm-hmm. he had a little doodle of a bird in another entry yeah like yeah, he's he's not up front in any of the cutscenes yeah. or anything, but like he's Bungie is is still writing his story and letting people know he's still gonna be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm for it. Like I'm loving yeah, this. I am too. I'm honestly. loving this Robin Hood yeah. bit that he's got going on. I am too. Like it is I so cool. I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. Now, see, I want to. I like. I'm hoping that there's gonna be a cutscene with him and Saint. Because, like, we've gotten the interactions between him and Osiris, but I would love to see interactions between him and Saint. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would be a really cool pairing for some kind of mission or something. But anyway, uh, Orchid, do you have shout outs? Yes. 
Um, yes. Shout out to Marine Mammal Rescue on Twitch because they just decided to turn on their subs. And now you can go sub to their otter page. So you should go do that. Literally go do that right now. Go give them their money. Go give them money. <laughs> That's all my money and my paycheck is going to go to them. Because all the money goes straight to the otters. All they do is do otters all day, every day. It's my favorite channel on Twitch. Oh, I bet. It is. Your title right now is E-Otters, IRL Ottering, E-Otters, Coldest Cold Tub on Twitch. <laughs> Pools, Hot Tubs, and Beaches. <laughs> it's just otters. <laughs> it's just sea otters being cute. I am not surprised. Okay, okay, okay. It's the Marine Mammal Rescue Center. They rescue, rehabilitate, and release sick and injured marine mammals. Um, they're in um, Vancouver, British Columbia, and their channel is actually operated by the BC Marine Mammal Rescue Society. And it's completely run by passionate volunteers from all around the world. Um, the cameras are actually run by pilots, quote unquote pilots. So they're actually, myself, I am also a pilot. Um, we're actually trained by them to run the cameras and we can control them. Um, so the, there's actually people that control the cameras. Like, so it's not just like random, like just random people visiting the place. It's not, it's, it's people like on the stream controlling it. And it's like one or two people at a time. So you you know you're going to get the most primo otters. It's only otter lovers are controlling the cameras. <laughs> um, all the money goes towards um, all the like otter upkeep and um, all of their like vet bills and stuff. And, um, you know, all good things. So... Uh, they probably, I think they admit between like 150 and 180 um, uh, marine mammals. It's mostly harbor seal uh, pups, but they also do uh, otters as well. And also um, stellar and California sea lions, northern fur seals, and uh, harbor porpoises, and... Um, sometimes cold stunned sea turtles so yep um so you should go um check out their twitch channel because they weren't doing subs or donations on twitch because they were also streaming on youtube and they weren't able to do that but they finally got it worked out so you can now go sub to them on twitch so you should that's it. That's good. That's my shout out. Yeah, Marine Mammal Rescue. Um, I raid into their channel all the time off from my channel at night because it's just they don't play um sound from their actual place because they want the privacy of their keepers, so they just play wave sounds. So if you just want wave sounds in the background, 
um, that's a really good channel to just have in the background. Um, so it's like a wave ASMR and also otters. It's very relaxing. So if you need like relaxing things to watch on Twitch, and you just don't want screaming and like people playing video games. Marine Mammal Rescue is a great channel to watch. Highly recommend it. Also, um, their emotes are really adorable. So another reason why you should sub to their channel. Also, all of their money goes towards sea otters. Did I mention the otters? <laughs> sea otters. Wait, there are otters? <laughs> there are otters. <laughs> Did I mention the otters, Elvis? Do you have any shout outs before I say otters again? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Do you have... <laughs> shout outs <laughs> I don't know what's otter your shout out they're utterly the... adorable <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah shout out to my brother uh, he's been having he was having a really bad day today so I'm, I'm hoping I can connect with him tomorrow and find out how he's doing you should send him otters I don't know if that'll do it for him. It always improves my day. Yeah, but you have an otter fetish than he does. <laughs> Whether you want to take That's that O T T E R or O D D E R, completely up yeah. to you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the part of the episode we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. You can find him at Rindle Zivas. The artwork for this episode is courtesy of at B on Twitter. The music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive in, into Destiny lore... I'm redoing that one. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you. So, final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, at heyitsorchid, or at i underscore am underscore elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know. Uh, or you can just jump in our Discord and talk to us straight on there. The invite is down in the episode description. So, Orchid. <laughs> say goodbye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Otters. Keitel's Imperial Seal appeared on the screen with a notice. Audio only. Empress Zavala- What the fuck?
What did you call it? Empress Zavala? I was about to. In Zavala's voice, like, what the f I am a pretty lady. My long, flowing locks. <laughs> Lol, with my locks, flowing locks. <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs>